women who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out more than ever before. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories and journeys of women survivors turned entrepreneurs and how they use their strength and tenacity to help other women move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Flow Rising. This show contains adult topics and often contains triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. In this episode, I sat down for a chat with Essie Bagheri. We talked about his life as a survivor of child abuse and being a child soldier, his journey through addiction, and how he came out the other side. Now he's thriving and helping others through their own trauma and addiction recovery as a coach. Essie openly shares his stories in his book, Shattered Soul, and his own podcast, Resiliency Talks. You can find him on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Flow Rising. I am Megan, the host, and today I have a very special guest who is joining me to share his story about surviving some amazing odds as not only a child abuse survivor, but also through adulthood and learning how to overcome trauma, abuse, and addiction. So welcome with me today. I have my guest, Essie. Thank you for joining me on the show today, Essie. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me on your show. It's a, it's a pleasure to, to be with you. Yes, I'm excited to hear all about the kinds of things that you do and have you share your story. Um, I always say that it is always a special privilege for me when men are willing to come and share because I'm the mother of two boys and teaching boys to be vulnerable about their emotions is hard. And especially those who, my, my two children are also abuse survivors. And so it is wonderful mm. that you are willing to open and share. And I'm sure the world is very blessed by all of the things that you share in your life. So let's start with all the wonderful things. I know you are an author, you are a coach, you are a TEDx speaker. So start share with the audience a bit about all of the wonderful things that you're doing now in your life and the wonderful things you're bringing to light in the world right now. Of course. Uh, uh, I am, uh, I'm living in uh, uh, the most beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Vancouver, Canada. And uh, I'm so blessed uh, to, to be alive and to be able to, to do this. Uh, my, what I do these days, uh, as you said, you know, uh, I'm an author, a speaker. I've been uh, speaking all over the place. And, and I, have pa- I have a passion to impact people's lives. And, uh, you know, what you want to call it, God, creator, power greater than ourselves. Someone, uh, you know, put me in this place uh, to uh, to carry the message of uh, hope, basically, yeah. because we all have a story. And uh, so what I do, I help people. Um, as you know, uh, I have podcasts called Resiliency Talks. And I believe we all need re- to be resilient, especially in these days. Uh, we have, we, we've been going through so much and... Uh, uh, being uh, being in North America and living in uh, in you know in North America, I'm really privileged and uh, honored and uh, spoiled, as you want to call it. <laughs> so yes, yes, we are, uh, and sometimes we forget because we we just you know tunnel vision our world and we don't see there is a bigger picture. So what I do, Megan, I help people overcome addiction, uh, drug addiction, alcoholism. Um, I help them. Uh, to to get inspired, uh, you know, ignite uh, at least ignite something in their heart to take action in in a short form. 
I, I, I basically inspire them, especially as we're going to talk about my story, where I came from and what I've been through. And uh, that's basically uh, uh, what I do these days. Yes. Yeah. So share with us the title of your book, because I know you have published a book. Yes, yes. Uh, my title of the book is called Shattered Soul, uh, the true story of a child soldier. And uh, I, uh, uh, I I wrote this book uh, in uh, 2018, 2019. It came out and uh, it's, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. And that's by, that's by itself, writing this book was so... Uh, therapeutic and I encourage people to, to do, uh, to write books and share their stories. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's one of those things. The reason I started my podcast was I'm, I'm not a writer, but I found, you know what, sharing and really getting the story out there. I'm very much, you know, that's what the show is all about is helping people get their own message to the person who needs to hear it, because there's always at least one human that listens to the show and goes, Oh, wow. He did it. I can. That's that is why we are here. Um, That's so I was blessed to share a little bit of a chit chat with you the other day, but the audience hasn't met you yet. So um, share with us a little bit about your background and actually how, you know, obviously being an, an addiction and trauma coach. Most people that I meet came to that because that's how they themselves found healing um, through their own journey. So share with us a little bit about your journey to where you are today. Of course, uh, as uh, as you know, and uh, we cannot transfer something we don't have. And what I mean by that, uh, uh, I, uh, uh, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not from North America. I was born in Iran, uh, in Middle East, and uh, uh, before, uh, you know, talking about trauma trauma is like it's, I laugh about it sometimes because I don't know what I put some people when they read my book and say oh my god how could you survive uh, but here's the thing before age of uh, I was six months when I separated from uh, from my father uh, from my mother actually and grew, and raised by my stepmom age of five I find out that I have two mother. That's by itself was like very traumatic. Like imagine five years, hey, you have different mother. And uh, uh, before age of 10, I was physically, emotionally, sexually, and um, abused and uh, really lived in a, you know, uh, dysfunctional, uh, dysfunctional uh, family in a way. I, and, uh, you know, and it, it was very, very traumatic, but I didn't know, you know, my my parents that's all they knew and i for years i blamed them but after i did went through a therapy and realized you know what this is they they did the best they could and you know their parents did the best they could and with what they have now and uh, you know but my journey starts when it was uh, iran iraq uh, war it was a, it was a revolution in iran and i was mm -hmm. 13 at the time and then uh, it was uh, Iran attack, uh, Iraq attack Iran, and I was 14. And uh, I really always wanted to 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 feel belong to something, to someone, yeah. because my whole life I felt alone. I felt not belong. And I, and then Iranian. Uh, so I volunteer, kind of. I always talk about brainwash because at 14 you can't really make a decision to go to war. 
you know, knowing, oof, you know, like you think about it now. But I, I honestly think that I was kind of uh, brainwashed in a way because, you know, no 14 years old to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to go, want to go to war, to war and to may possibly die. It's just not a, a healthy way. So I was, uh, I was in training for almost uh, six months and, uh, you know, uh, with uh, same friends, 13, 14 years old, and we went to war. And uh, but what happened? The turning point was when it was middle of the night. There was chemical weapon. There was bomb left and right. We were, and uh, one of my friend, two, uh, two actually one of my friend, uh, um, one front, one be, beside me, stepped. Uh, they stepped in a landmine. And uh, it's it's very traumatic, but uh, you know that's my story, and they blow up, yeah. and uh, and I watched that, and uh, and the impact of that explosion throws me a few meters away, and I was disillusioned. I didn't know what to do, and yeah. I didn't want to die, yeah. and I was scared, and uh, but I couldn't go back say, hey, I'm sorry, I changed my mind. I want to go home. I'm just a kid, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. I had suddenly, I think there was someone, something working in my life wasn't my time. So, yeah. and I couldn't go through my mission. So I took off my AK-47 and I put it in my left arm and mm -hmm. I shot myself. Sure. And mm -hmm. uh, 14 years old and, uh, you know, but my physical wound healed, uh, Megan, sure. oh, yeah. after Maybe. a few months. Yep. You know, I have 93 stitches, and um, but I had no idea the psychological effect would have on me. Yeah. And that's just the beginning. And uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I have two 14-year-old kiddos myself. Yeah. One's my bio son and one's my stepson. And like you said, they're... they they can't make rational thoughts about what to eat for breakfast, let alone. Mm -hmm making that adult decision of, yes, I'm going to go to war. And I can't even, I mean, I was privileged to grow up in the United States. I was privileged to grow yeah. up in, uh, you know, very protected. So you share your story. And I'm one of those people that's like, wow, uh, I can't, I can't yeah. conceptualize my children being in a situation to go to war. Um, but like you said, the psychological effect that all of that had. And I think that that's, that's a lot what we talk about here is that it's not just the things that happened to us, you know, physical abuse, being beaten, you know, sexual molestation, war, all of these things, that physicality heals, but the mental, emotional part, mm -hmm. that, that's just the beginning. That's yes. just the beginning. And I know that, I know that you were able to ma manage to get away from that situation, the war situation. But as you said, that's, that was just the beginning. So the beginning, yeah. then as you get older, you start battling with addictions and the psychological stuff. So share with us a little bit about the journey through that psychological piece to, to where you did find for sure a, a healing space. Definitely. Well, it is important to also mention when I, when I came back home, I was, uh, you know, I was, uh, really, uh, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, just, uh, uh, really damaged in a way yeah. and broken or whatever you want to call it. And then 
top of that, I got into the, they forced me to marry someone at the age of 15. And, uh, and then that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, and as a result of that, I have two beautiful sons, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, and then I had to escape because, uh, you know, as a result, I started drinking, I started drinking and drinking really was against Islam and it was against a new regime. And, uh, so they find out that I'm drinking in Syria, Damascus, and then uh, I had to escape. So I escaped yeah. from Iran to Istanbul, from Istanbul to East Germany, from East Germany, jumped into the midnight train. I went to West Germany, became refugee in a refugee yeah. camp, drinking every day. I was in Germany for two and a half years, Megan, but I, I cannot remember that I had a sober breath wow. because I was medicating. And uh, so then I came to Canada. And I really wanted to change my life. Uh, I escaped uh, and I came to Canada and, and then uh, 1988. And I really wanted to change my life, but I had no clue. Mm-hmm. And so many, I'm pretty sure so many of your audience or people hearing that, we, like we saw oh, that's life, you know, this, this is my life. And, yeah. you know, like, it, it, and then what happened? I came to Canada and my drinking started to uh, ex- escalate and uh, my... Um, and started using drugs and that's mm-hmm. that's done me and then yeah. i came to vancouver canada and you know just uh, homelessness and take i went to my first treatment center in 1980 uh, 1997 and i thought this time oh you know i thought they're going to take me to a hospital and yeah. uh, they're going to do a blood transfusion and i i'll be, be okay because here's the thing when i was a baby my my stepmom used to tell me that, see, when you were a baby, you were crying and able to mm-hmm. shut you down, calm you down. We give you opium oh, able wow. to, to in your milk to calm you. So I thought, well, it's in my blood. They're going to take me to hospital. They do a blood transfusion and I will be okay. Yeah. So, but that wasn't the case. I still mm-hmm. didn't know what was going on. I went to my first uh, treatment center and... Uh, and I was in a treatment center for like uh, three, uh, one month. And I told everybody I would never, ever touch another drink or drug again. And I really meant it. And if you would have come and do a, a lie detector, Megan, I would pass 110%. I don't know if you know of anybody drinking. So that's my first Oh, thing. yeah. No, I, I, I always tell people, my, I, while I didn't suffer with alcohol addiction, I suffered from abuse addiction. I was mm-hmm. addicted to my abuser in a very similar way. I, 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 I mean, statistically it's seven times. I think I tried to leave my, my ex four or five times. And every time, same thing. Absolutely. Never again. He is yeah. never hitting me. He is never touching me. And right on back, I'd walk. Yes. Yes. And so it's, it is a very similar mental, emotional, not chemical. I yes. Never, I never turned to the alcohol. I turned to marijuana. I was a yeah. very heavy marijuana user for many, many years. And a lot of people are like, you can't be addicted. I'm like, you can. You can be addicted yes. to checking out, to escaping the mental, emotional pain that you're going through. And so, yeah. But I know a lot of people relapse totally. even when they're like, nope, I am absolutely never going back. Yes. Here's the thing. I didn't know. I thought it's a willpower for me at the time. I thought, no, that's it. But guess what happened? I left the treatment center two days later. I'm drinking and smoking crack. 
Yep. And I was baffled. Holy, what happened? Anyways, longest story short, I want to get into the solution. Oh, but yeah. I've been to 17 treatment centers since then. Mm-hmm. 29 detoxes, psych work, homelessness, jail, and wanted to kill myself until uh, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Nine years ago, my last, last, I missed my son's wedding. They, uh, my, I had no money. My sister said, Essie, you haven't been a son, to, a father to your son. Please come is his wedding. I said, sister, I'm, I'm not, feel, I'm not doing good. I have no money and I have, I don't know. So she sent me $3,000 mm-hmm. to, uh, to buy a ticket and come, come to Iran and visit for my son. And I went and I bought the ticket, Megan. I packed my bag. Three hours before the before the flight. Now at this time, four cars, twenty people, my son, mom, everybody traveled to Tehran to the airport to pick me up. Three hours before the meeting, my flight. I took a drink. Yep. And if anybody's alcoholic, when you take a drink, something happened. I, I canceled my ticket and that night mm-hmm. I wanted to kill myself. And mm-hmm. I said, I don't know. And I bawled all night. I cried and I said, I don't know what to do. And I fell down to my knees and I said, I don't know what you call yourself. Yeah. God, Jesus, Allah, Buddha, universe, either kill me yeah. or save me because yep. I couldn't do it anymore. So my journey starts in recovery almost nine years ago. And since then, Megan, I dive into healing. I went to a trauma group, uh, counseling, meditation, 12-step program, exercise, mm-hmm. everything. I, and I start to feel alive again. So that's yeah. basically where a little bit of background. Yeah. No, I can, I can remember. It's, it's interesting. I was, I was thinking about this this morning for some reason. I like I was taking a shower and my, Mm -hmm. my aha day was very, very similar, but I was, I was not similar in the fact that I was not completely bereft of anything other than I'd lost complete connection to myself. Mm -hmm. I was at work one day and I was standing and screaming. I mean, screaming at my coworker about my very narcissistic, abusive boss who had brought his gun to work that day. Mm-hmm. And that was just the type of person he was. And he wasn't going to use the gun like he wasn't, but he was, he would set it on the desk as like a power play. Like I have my gun and I'm in charge. And, and I was screaming, why wouldn't he change? Why wouldn't he change? Just make them change. And by them, I met my, my now ex-husband and my boss at the time. And I remember just this, I mean, it was barely a whisper. It said, mm-hmm. they're never going to change, but you can. That was yes. it. It was just this tiny, and it was just like, I remember this calm came over me and I was like, and I did the same thing. I was like, I use the term universe, God, I do not care what people say. I was like, yes, but I don't know how, it, how, show me how. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big things that I love having this platform is to have people share. So nine years ago, you hit rock bottom. 
you know, we all hit that space where we're just like, so what was, you know, what have you found to be, and I can't say it's the most successful thing or the most helpful thing or, you know, but what's something that you found that has really kept you going? Because you and I know it's, mm. it's not all uphill once you hit the rock bottom and you're like, yes, no, it's, it's not that at all. It's no. very rocky from there. But what's, what's kept you going this whole time as you're traveling this healing journey? Great question, uh, Megan. My, uh, my turning point was when I had the realization that I was sick and tired of being sick and tired the way I was living. And I believe people change when they're in a corner and they have no other other uh, way this that that's why we, we we start thinking and then the second thing was and uh, continually is that I, I i my whole life i felt like i victimized i felt like i'm victim poor me mm -hmm. this has happened to me my my parents did to me my bod you know and me 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 and guess what happened make me more sick and sick until i took responsibility megan i said nobody gonna come to save you nobody cares for you the way you should care about yourself and i start searching and i start participating and i start taking massive action mm. massive action here's the thing there's a stigma about trauma and addiction. People don't want to talk about it. And here's why, why they don't want to talk about it. Because it takes vulnerability. It takes courage. It takes really everything you have to say, hey, I'm going to tell, talk to Megan and say, this is what I've been through. And guess what? And if Megan really cares for me, she would understand. And she would not judge me because my whole life I was trying to please you. I tried to please her. I tried to please him. And if in a room, 100 people, Megan, 99 of them, they love me, they care. And one person, guess what I would do? I would ignore all the 99 person mm -hmm. people and I would focus on what should I do for that person to like me? Yep. And again, it was my self-worth that I need to work on. It was my self-esteem. I need to really go deep and talk to that leader, Essie, yeah. and say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry that that happened to you, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm here. You're mm -hmm. safe. And take and on and on. So this is, this is absolutely, is, um, it's not an overnight matter. It's not that, hey, I'm going to one, one week, one month treatment center or, or a therapist and I'm going to be okay. No, because this is it. Life will happen, either we like it or not. We are in challenges. Either we just left the challenges or we're heading towards one. Yep. <laughs> That's life. I learned through a uh, lot of uh, work that... Uh, I am responsible for my life, and uh, and I'm just so blessed to be have the opportunity. Like, who would have known, Megan, that all the pain and suffering and and I, all the things that I just share with you and your audience that that one day that can be come back in a in a form 
that I can be helpful and productive to, and I can help someone else. I would never in a million years would think, uh, think of something like that. And exactly that's what happened. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that that, <laughs> I say I get, I get blessed by all my guests more than, <laughs> than anything because yeah. I get reminded that, oh, wait, there was a time for you. There was a time for me when mm-hmm. we were sitting where somebody who's watching or listening, this is sitting right now and going, and it is, it's that me, 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 me. And there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with being there because you don't necessarily know that there's something beyond like that's we're right. here saying there's something beyond. And I loved mm. what you were talking about, about that, that forgiveness, that, that mm-hmm. personal, like, you know, I, I, it, it took me, I'm, I'm four years past being out of my marriage and it took me up until just six, uh, four, four months ago, four months ago, when I finally found a therapist, a trauma-informed therapist. And I always tell people it's very important mm-hmm. to keep trying to find the right human that, you know, that that works works with where you are. Cause it's and you just keep trying. If that doesn't work, keep trying. And so I finally found someone and we started talking about that little for me, it's the little Megan that mm-hmm. and 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 I uh there's a there's someone I follow on on TikTok. I I have I I also tend to say that, you know surround yourself by good people who've been there, people who give good information, give good advice. And this person talks about that. There's, there's a, there's a four-year-old Megan. There's a 12-year-old mm-hmm. Megan. There's a 15-year-old Megan. There's all these little children. There's a 21-year-old Megan. Who's the Megan that met my ex, you know? And it's always constantly going back and going, I'm sorry. And the other thing I always say is thank you for being strong enough to get me here. You, yeah. Your strength got me here. This 42-year-old Megan could not be sitting here doing this if 21-year-old Megan hadn't been strong. That's totally correct. Uh, Yeah, thank you for sharing a little bit of your story with me. Here's the thing. We have this uh, assumption that life should be easy and uh, straight and narrow. And and everything, you know, we have, we we believe or the society, uh, you know, but who I believe we grow, we become stronger by going through challenges, going through struggles. And if we don't go through struggles, and if we have that belief system that, hey, all the things that I've been through, life didn't happen to me. Life happened for me. The relationship that I was didn't work out. It's, for example, I learned so much because here's the thing. I'm pretty sure, Megan, you can, uh, you can relate to this because you've been through unhealthy relationships. And then, but I'm, so you learn so much, you make that experience, you put it in the new relationship, new opportunity. And somebody that going through the same that you've been through, say, hey, you know what? I've been there. And that's how I overcome it and made me a stronger person. And it's a, it's a totally, but again, I believe vulnerability, Megan, is the key. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is the key to growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being willing to just be honest. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I think that's that, that, that's that human experience. I mean, it's, you're, you were telling your story and it was interesting. You were giving dates and I'm like, I'm thinking about, I was probably, I mean, you know, when you were 14, I was 
six or seven by the date you gave it. I was like, yeah. and I was probably watching the TV and the news was talking about what you were going through. Exactly. And I was watching it again in good middle-class white America in the eighties going, wow, that's really terrible. Mm-hmm. And not even connecting to the fact that, you know, all these years later, 28 years later, here I am, I, you know, 30 years later talking to someone that I'm like, wow. It puts it in perspective of not that I didn't have trauma and abuse as a child because there isn't, I've never met a survivor that's like, oh, yours was worse than mine. Oh, yours was worse. We don't compare. No, no. Because the end result is the same, that we both came to the understanding that, you know, it just, it's just so weird how it puts a perspective to go, huh. But we both came to the realization that it, it wasn't about what I'd gone through. It was, it, it's that letting go of that victim mindset, that yes. what's after, where, where we end up at the end and, how, totally. and what we do then. Totally. See, it's, it's, it's uh, interesting you were talking about that when you were little kids and, you know, oh, it's just on TV. Because uh, I've been told that, uh, you know, the time, like mm-hmm. events uh, these days, you know, especially in North America, I believe we are spoiled. I, okay. I believe media, media not really showing what's because uh, other side of the world, they're, they're, as you said, like people like me go to war and then they're in a dinner table or something. Hey, they're watching something. Hey, they're talking. Oh, you pass the ketchup or pass the gravy or pass the bread. It's like, you know, it's not really. But if you really think about it, it doesn't matter. See, I believe my mission, Megan, is to to inspire people to, to open. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, white, black, yellow where we come from, what language we speak. There's a human spirit. Who would have known? The people I'm helping now, they're not Iranian. The pe- there are some, but the majority of people that I'm helping is, is all from North America and or other places. And it's like to open our eyes, it's all about love, compassion. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's. That's the the key, I believe, you know, that's my message. I want to bring love and compassion to the world. And they say, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we see how our experience, our experience can benefit others. And it's, I'm totally, I'm very blessed and, and, and grateful and grateful that one of the other things that my, my biggest things that I talk about is gratitude. Yeah. Because I cannot live in a gratitude and fear at the same time. So I focus to find something that I'm grateful. And Megan, guess what? We have so much much. to be grateful for. So much. There's always, there's always something. There are always, that's, you know, I think some, I've never really been able, I don't know. I've never really been able to have a gratitude practice where it's like, I'm going to write three things every day because some people are that way and they're very organized. And I'm just, I just always find myself, you know, today I was, I woke up and I was tired. I've had long, you know, five long Mm -hmm. days and I'm just not really feeling connected to my partner. And I'm just like, Oh, and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm just like, wait, Oh, the birds outside. Oh, it's spring. Mm -hmm. Oh, and just, Oh, I love this time of year. And I'm so yeah. grateful that I am in a place where I get to hear the birds every day. Oh, and it's just that little, there's always mm-hmm. something, there's something small. It, you know, it doesn't have to be 
big for it to just shift you away from whatever. Because I've heard this a lot, especially I go to, I love research. And so I've, I've studied a lot about the neurological effects of trauma and yeah. how it shifts and changes our brains. And, um, but there is but the neurological change that gratitude brings is amazing. Like just, it rewires us just as fast as the trauma did the other direction. It's just totally. sitting in that gratitude space. Um, it's yeah. uh, also, you know, I, I would like to talk about some also because it's not trauma and addiction. Addiction is something that, you know, it's the stigma about addiction. The, for example, the people that I, I work with and, uh, you know, in, in Vancouver, there's a place we call Maine and Hastings. It's, it's just mm-hmm. so devastating, so yeah. devastating. And people are like dying. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like, a, and, and guess what? There are someone's daughter. Yep. There's someone's son. There's someone's father. And they didn't, they didn't, you know, re- re- suddenly say, hey, when I, when I become 30 years old, I'm going to be homeless, sleeping in a, in, a, in a, you know. So it's the compassion part of that we, we have to start looking into for the people in, in addiction and look at it as, a, as not a, just moral issue. As a, it's a something, it's more into it is, uh, yeah. that, I, that people need to know and have more compassion. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, and... Uh, again, we all have uh, responsibility, and uh, I, I try to do the best I can to to be in a maximum service to humanity. Mm-hmm. And if I wake up every day and I have that idea, whatever I do, you know, I I have a good day. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, talk about some of the. I know that you do uh, coaching and that type of thing, but yes. Just share with us a little bit about, um, you know, you've, you've mentioned some of the people that you work with, but how do you really work with people? Is it online? Is it in person? Do you go do, you know, group counseling, group therapies? What types of, of work are you, are you doing in your coaching practice? I, um, I've been helping people in a different setting for a while for, as a volunteer. Okay. Recently, I started uh, and started uh, coaching, which I'm uh, working on, uh, mostly in Vancouver. I, I have a few clients that I work online with, mm-hmm. but I have not because, I, as I said, I was focusing on my, I'm actually writing my second book and to bring in a couple other people's story and uh, into the book. And so my, I am... Uh, the way that I work people is like, I'm not a, a psychiatrist. What I do, I have a method that it helps me and with my trauma, with my addiction, with my uh, resiliency, because it's basically more like I'm a life coach in a way, yeah. but also because I, I've been through so much in my life and I overcome and I believe we all have a gift and my gift yes. is mostly... Uh, communication and some ignite someone's heart to take action and uh, so that's how I, I i work and i'm working on a on a program that hopefully will come in next month or so it's going to be bigger uh sure. setting yes yes i 
<laughs> I think that's the other amazing thing about my guests is we're always working on something. Yeah. I think once, once <laughs> you find that spark of that spark of life in yourself, it is, it's, it's that, it's like, you're that, the candle, um, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I always feel, I always akin it to like going to a candlelight service, you know, and you pass that light and you pass that can that's, that's where we are. We found a way to spark our own, but we didn't do it alone. There was someone along your way. And that's, you know, I always say we're reaching our hand behind and just who's behind me. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be passing that forward to whomever I can that comes along my way. So I love that you're working on new things and a new book. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> People always say you should write a book. And I'm like, I'm not a writer, but, then, but yeah, maybe someday <laughs> I'm not, it's, it comes out of nowhere. A lot of people are like, Oh, I wasn't a writer till I wrote a book either. Well, let uh, me, uh, to inspire you, let me, uh, let me tell you a little story about me writing a book. I wanted to, everybody was telling me, you know, when I was talking in the, in 12 step programs and I said, I see, wow, you have that amazing story. I didn't know even how to send the email. I had oh, wow. this roommate. I had this roommate, he said, I asked him, can you send the email for me? So that's how I start my book. Someone else helped me to send the email to this place and that place. And, and, but it's all because I had a vision. I want to write a book and go and talk about it. And as a result, I've been doing it for the last four or five years. Yeah, I love that. That that gives me that gives me hope because see I I can't send emails. Yes, yes. I'm a very tech person, so that's what I mean. Get out of my own way and be like, yes, oh, I'm here to help. Do. Anything I can do, <laughs> Megan, I'm here to help. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um. So besides, I know that you do speaking. So is it TED Talk or TEDx? I know that you've done one or the other. I done both. I done TEDx uh, talk uh, and. Um, and I done a lot of other uh, platforms and mm -hmm. tons of uh, radio, TV, uh, podcasts, and uh, mm -hmm. just sharing my experience. You know, I think we all have a story, and people, our story is not belong to us. That's another thing. Yeah. Our story is not belong, but it's our stories. Uh, it's uh, needs to be shared, and uh, and that's what yeah. I'm trying to do. And also, I'm, yeah, another thing that I'm doing that might interest you. I'm actually starting a publishing company with uh, with uh, someone in Arizona. Yes, we we nice. were talking about it, and uh, uh, so uh, anything I can do, let me know, Megan, if uh, you decide to go that road. Yeah, no, I love that. Again, like just always up to something, always doing yes, work, just passing it on. But I do love, uh, you know, as as we get here close to the time, I do love that you're you're talking about this human story. Like mm -hmm. a lot of times. For those people who are listening or watching, if you know, wherever you are in your own healing journey, one, there is healing, there is life, there is thriving after whatever you've been through. Um, you know, Essie is not my first guest. I hear, like I said, I hear stories all the time that I'm like, wow, wow, that, that, wow, just that, that mm. people have overcome. And I think that that is the thing is that humans are resilient. Humans do overcome and find life beyond circumstance. How we got here and the path that brought us here is not, is by no way an ending. It is, it's just the path that brought us to where we are. And then that human existence, like you and I, if this podcast didn't exist, there is no way you and I ever probably would have crossed so, paths. And I feel blessed that we did. 
because we get to share a human experience of nope there is there is life beyond there is something more than what we overcame so Mm -hmm. yes but i love that you're sharing your story and again the vulnerability piece i think that's so huge um society doesn't teach men especially Mm-hmm. But women are not very much different, but they really, really don't sh- show show men and teach men that, hey, sharing and being open and honest and vulnerable is important. And I'm glad that you were sharing that message because it really is important. Thank you so much. I always, uh, uh, when I do interviews, I always uh, use this quote that I throw, which is, do not fear the dark. That's where the light lives. It is beautiful. There is, there is no light without darkness. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is, that is very beautiful. So as we wrap up our time, I always ask my guests to share what is a really great way if someone hears this or sees this and would really love to get connected with you, um, what is a great way for people to get connected directly with you today? Well, uh, I'm uh, basically any, anywhere from uh, my, uh, my website, which is... Uh, uh, do not give up now.com or any platform with Essie Begary. I am all in all platform, but yeah, Essie Begary, uh, do not give up now.com. It's my website. Perfect. They can check it out and uh, yeah. Yep. So all the links to connect with Essie are right down below. So make sure that you, if you're watching this or listening to this, just tap a link, get connected with Essie, hear more of his story. Um, you know, watch his TED talk. I did that before and I was, I'm just blown away. So I feel super blessed to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining, sharing your story with the audience, sharing your light with us today um, and all the wonderful things that you are doing. Uh, I, you know, I always love to stay in touch with people and see all the wonderful things that happen uh, be after the show. So thank you so much, Essie, for joining me today. God bless. Thank you. Thank you to my audience who joined us today. Thank you for joining us. And as always, I am wishing you peace, love and flow and may your flow be ever rising. Until next time.